Really, I should be right on top of the microphone like that. But yeah. then my face is yeah. fucking massive. Which <laughs> is not pleasant. Welcome to another podcast episode of the Mitch. Oh fuck oh, me, Mitch, Mitchell and Webb, <laughs> the Mitchell brothers. Oh dear! I thought right as soon as you started, I was gonna just for a laugh say something. I thought no, be professional. He knows what he's doing. <laughs> he's been pod. He's been podding for a year. Let him crack on. And then you went and let yourself down like that. I let myself down. Welcome back to the Mixforge podcast. Season two. I think we're going to call this season two. Yeah. Series two. Yeah. Series two. Yeah. Uh, we've had a bit of a break because we've been pretty busy. Holidays, mainly. For you. Well, holiday for me. Yeah. Yeah. Not for you. Lots of no wedding holidays. gigs and lots of studio work. Yeah. So, but we're back. Yeah. But we're back on Zoom today. Yeah, it's good. Like it's it. Good. Yeah. Yeah. It Easy. Works. Saves petrol. Saves the planet. Uh, let's dive straight in, mate. Yeah. This episode is going to be all about Slate. Stephen Slate, our saviour. Slate. <laughs> yes, our saviour. He kind of really gave our studio work a big kick up the ass. That it needed. That it needed. Yeah. Because we were pretty good and we wanted to get better. and We were stale, weren't we? We'd stale. Got, we'd we plateaued. Reached a, we reached a ceiling yeah. of where we could get ourselves. Yeah. And we needed to, to help to go beyond that, break that ceiling. Yeah. Um, yeah, we and... felt we'd reached in terms of this was it. This was... A number of years ago, this is we were in the old studio upstairs, and we we actually did sit down and we had a chat. We were like, okay, we're producing good output. Let's go through the entire chain and see where our strengths are, but mainly where our weaknesses are and where we can look to improve. To yeah, to break break through that ceiling, and yeah, Slate was a big was was key. Was in, quite instrumental in yeah. Um, well, we, I think, we, we sort of stumbled because we, we sort of went through the chain and we were like, well, the beginning of the chain is the acoustics of the room. And we're like, it's fine. It's not great. There's not a lot we can do about that in the short term, but it's not terrible. It's not great. Microphones are good, not terrible. Our, our ability to produce and track, it's really good. Like we've really honed that and even our editing is really good. But then we sort of were like, but our mixing is fine. So we were like, how do we, how do we go to the next level? But I don't know. I'm at, I, I don't. We, and we, I remember we sort of stumbling around going, we need, we need to look at the plugins we're using. We, we've got loads of plugins, but we're not very focused on what we're using. Feel a bit lost 
so I know we had a conversation about let's let's do some research and really look look at what what plugins can help us. Yeah, and the first sort of gateway for us to the world of Slate Digital was actually uh, mastering because I do the mastering here, and it was the common thing of like clients like oh we want our masters we ju- we just want it louder right or wrong people you know it was like okay well is there a way we can is there something we can look at in the mastering chain that will will help and doing some research i found a couple of options for sort of mastering plugins and one of them was the fgx mastering plugin from slate and it had loads of good reviews and i was like oh that's worth looking at then i found oh that was part of the all access pass um so i think it's 15 dollars a month or something like that and it was like oh you get loads of other stuff but primarily okay let's get this fgx mastering plugin and i watched sort of tutorials on it it's like oh this is really good and i think this is this is improving and as a byproduct of that we then had the all access pass which had all the other sort of slate plugins including the virtual mix rack and i think it still took us a bit of time to like <clears throat> yeah well it was like more plugins. we didn't have a shortage of plugins yeah we, we had too many plugins too many tools and we were lost and it sort of added more plugins but it was like okay cool but there was no sort of initially no focused like no we're gonna hone in we hadn't we didn't realize what we had yeah. did we we sort of stumbled across, you know, through the mastering plugin. We'd stumbled across all these other plugins. And actually, more importantly, some tutorial videos. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, the All Access Pass gave you sort of access on the, the Slate digital website. And it was like, oh, there's a, a, a fairly lengthy, I think it was like Slate himself mixing. And it was like kind of a, just a, a rock track. And it was mixed entirely using plugins from the all access pass and we'd had a little sort of look around on the all access and you're like okay we've got the virtual mix rack and then you've got like a tape machine and you've got a deesser and a repeater delay and all these things and as you say yeah we had loads of plugins anyway so it was like oh you're just adding more tools and not necessarily which is not necessarily a good thing but it was like okay well let's, let's watch this video and, 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 I, and see I th- how these plugins from this all access pass are being used and I, I think for me i'd built up a mental wall in my head the ceiling which was we will never be able to get top mixes out of the studio because of the limitations of the acoustics of the room like i said at the time we're much better now we've got much better acoustics we've got a great room now but at the time we had a fairly small box room and good microphones without being outstanding. So I'd built up this wall of like, well, the reason our mixes aren't top quality is because of those limitations. Yeah. And as soon more as more physical, hard, hardware-y sort of And as soon as we put on that slate tutorial and he did like, here's the tracking before it's been mixed, and it and I was like, fuck, it sounds like what our tracking sounds like before yes. we've mixed it. And then he did after and it sounded amazing. And it was like, oh, no, 
I've put all these walls and limitations up, but it's no, it is the the mix. If we can improve the mix, we've got the same tools as mm. what he's using. The tracking's of the same quality. We can break that wall down. We've just got to get better. Yeah. So it was such a, like a light went off in my head. Like, oh man, it was so exciting. Yeah, I remember, so it has like a virtual tape machine and... Which felt a bit gimmicky, didn't it? Yeah, like, oh, yeah. Oh, like I'd heard you know, visually before. you load it up and it's got the tape spinning and you're like, okay, I mean, does it really do anything? Or and is we it had a... used it, but like we'd put it on the master bus yeah. as like a little finishing like, oh yeah, yeah, I'm just going to run my mix for a tape <laughs> machine. And it was like, yeah, that sounds yeah. better. You couldn't really pin what it was, but it's like, oh, it sounds fuller bit warmer yeah, it's low doing end, something bit yeah and i remember i watched this late tutorial video first and straight off the bat he put the tape machine on everything that was the first plug-in on every channel and i and think you I, I phoned, you phoned you. me are you like neil neil <laughs> he's put this he's put the tape machine plug-in on every channel and i was like i'm coming in <laughs> Because we were like, oh, okay. Mind blown. No, I would never have expected that. But it's so obvious. Yeah. In the old days when they used to record to tape and and everyone bangs on about how tape saturation was lovely, it was like, of course, yeah, the kick drum went through a tape machine, the bass, the vocals, all the guitars. It's like, yeah, got to change the way we're thinking, boy. It's not just a gimmicky plug-in you put it on at the end the process it's at the beginning it's it's on everything it's the beginning and you don't overuse it and i do want to segue a little bit and this is going to take a bit of time and obviously we will come back to this amazing journey but i do think this is interesting and it and it's what a big part of what really helped us go to another level but i'm gonna have to take a segue but i think it's interesting go for it is mixing desks okay and i think it's interesting because when people think about studios, probably if you say recording studio, the image that people have in their mind is a big old mixing desk. Yeah. And back back in 2007, or even way earlier, when you were recording Free Day Bender with Rich, back in the old, old blacksmiths, he had a big old mixing desk, didn't he? There was definitely one in, yeah. Can you remember how he was using it? Can you remember? Was it, I, I was really it, can't. Was he actively moving the faders or was his mouse in his keyboard just sat on the mixing desk and the mixing desk was a coffee table? I, I, I couldn't tell you either way. Um, but he did have a mixing desk. I'm, I'm pretty sure. Because when I started at the new blacksmiths, the mixing desk was in storage. And I remember actually saying to him, oh, like, what's going on with the mixing desk? And he was like, oh, we're just all computer based now I, he was like i was just using the mixing desk was just in the way and i was like so what are you doing about preamps and he had all these lovely expensive outboard preamps so essentially the mics would go into these lovely preamps but then go into the computer there was no need anymore for the mixing desk mm-hmm. but it was like oh right but what are people going to think mm. and we can get into all of that maybe on another pod the point why it relates to slate is slate is taking all that old technology 
that was really important, like tape machines and mixing consoles, and all these things add warmth and distortions and saturations and harmonics that the clean, the early days of computers and plugins didn't have. But Slate's gone, no, we're embracing all of that. Yeah. But we're putting it into the technology and we're simulating it. So the tape machine is simulating all that goodness, which we'd lost because we'd stopped using tape machines. Yeah. But do you so think the there was a, 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 you know, the early sort of days of when it was all shifting to computers? Do you think plug-in developers were intentionally cleaning things up? Yes, yes, I've read this. So the reason when computers started being used and people hated them, when compressor, the first software plug-in compressors were built, they were like, oh, we're all that distortion and saturation, the things we don't intend, we can get rid of that now. Yeah. It can just literally be a compressor that compresses. You've got an attack, a release, a threshold, a ratio. That's it. And yeah. it will just compress. But people soon, uh, soon realize, like, yeah, but it's got no character. Yeah, and actually, yeah. it's the character. It's the character of an 1176 or an LA-2A that makes it sound awesome. And yes, it's compressing. But you need more than that. Otherwise, you just get a thin, brittle sound. But I think what was hard for our generation, we are the first generation where computers were the accepted norm. We didn't have all that background of using vintage gear. So we hadn't learned that, oh, all, this, all these yeah. distortions and things are important. We were just like, yeah, I've got my first copy of Logic and it's got the C1 compressor or what it's not whatever it was called and yeah it compresses so I've, I've never used a mixing desk yes in, in a recording setting i just never have i started on logic and then when i came here by then it was it was pro tools so i i at university used mixing consoles but that a lot of them were digital and it was just a faff and you're not it wasn't like in the mixing stage you weren't using the faders to do the levels you're doing all the levels in the computer but it was just coming out to one fader on the mixing desk and you're like well why have i got 24 faders here and i you know i'd learned a little bit about console mixing where you send everything out to the console and then even though the faders are all set to naught there's something about how the sound all interacts together in the console that gels it and glues it and colors it like all the things we were talking about. But in the early stage, I was like, yeah, but it's all that bullshit. And it's just older boys who don't want to let go of mixing desks. But since I've learned that, no, it is, you know, like you said you'd never use a mixing desk. I imagine you've never used a real 1176. No. Uh, So 1176, if you don't know, is like one of the most famous compressors. It's just a really aggressive rock compressor as a fast attack and a fast release which just gives you a really spanking sound and we did one uh, years ago we had one at the blacksmiths and i used it for the first time and i was like oh that's what all these older engineers are talking about because i've used software versions of the 11 there's fucking millions of software versions of the 1176 but yeah this real one is just fuck like they're not making it up it just yeah. sounds incredible but it's an in, 
a massive faff to use because we've only got one. It's not stereo, so it's just one. So I can use it on a vocal, but I've got to patch it in. I've got to recall the settings. Or I can use it during tracking, but that's if I fuck it up. I fucked up the recording because... So bringing it back to Slate, they had all these plugins and they were really great. And they and they embraced all that older technology, but put it into the modern, the modern arena where you could instantly recall it. You could have as many as you wanted, which brings us back to the video, the tutorial video. Because at this stage, we've got all these plugins, but we're yeah. like, we're we're not, don't know. We're like, why we, should we use these over the yeah. ones we're currently using? Yeah, why should we use this 11, 1176 compressor, the Slate one, over, over the waves one? Over the Waves one, over yeah. the UAD ones we have, yeah. over whatever. I mean, I remember another, I think, yeah, watching that video, and it was quite lengthy, but it was like, as you say, we were like, oh, the tracking doesn't sound dissimilar to what we, we're doing. So let's see what he's how he's using all these plugins from the All Access Pass to create something, you know, in, in the sort of before and after that sounds so good. And I, I distinctly remember one thing was was on the overheads. He was using particular. He, he he was saying like, oh, this, you know, there's like four or five different EQs that you can put into this virtual mix rack. And he was sort of saying, oh, I'm using this EQ because of this. It has this quality. This quality, like this EQ is quite aggressive. This one's smoother. This one's thing. And at the time, and one one thing I distinctly remember was actually on the overheads. He was using a particular EQ. Is it like, I think it's the CS EQ? Custom series, yeah. Yeah. And he was boosting at 100 on the overheads. And he was like, I want that kick sound. I want to get the kick brought out. Yeah. And I think, I didn't know either way, but I think you would come from the school of get rid of the kick from your overheads. You know, get rid of the low end. Overheads is more about the top end. Yeah. And, and he was also and, and, using using the bottom snare mic to bring out kick drum, you know, and, and just these things. And you're sort of like, oh, he's using all these different things. And what we then did was, I definitely did. I think you did as well. It was like... Religiously, okay, I know what you're going to say. <laughs> I, I made, made notes. I watched this video and I made notes and everything. And essentially just took what he did and applied it to an old recording. Yeah. And it was like, okay, I'm going to take this song. So it's already recorded, already edited. I'm just going to go through not really knowing why I'm doing everything that he's doing, but just essentially apply that philosophy from that tutorial onto something we've recorded. And it was like, oh, yeah, it's it's better. Yeah. Yeah, it was such an education. It was just such a huge bump because the only way you learn is by doing isn't it? So you, or certainly me, like, so I'm watching and it's overwhelming, but it's sort of an exciting, I'm excited by how overwhelmed I am because I'm learning so much more. And we took notes and then, yeah, we both sat down with older mixes that we'd done and we're like, okay, so he did this with the overheads. Right. So, and we worked our way all the way through a mix and it was like, compared it to our older mixes and we're like, I mean, it's night and day. Yeah isn't it yeah and i think um, the, the key thing though is as well we we didn't a lot of it we didn't know why we were doing it to start with you know yes. it was like just following by sort of almost mixing by numbers but 
but just okay there's there's a big difference now in our mixing and like everything you have to get used to it and you have to keep doing it and get your ears to adjust and gradually you you then get to see like oh okay i do now see these differences in these eqs yes. so i know i can now go well i i want a harsher eq i want something a bit more smoother you know what you, you start to develop really understand what each of these eqs what each of these compressors and things are doing and then you can start to we started then to break away from just following that essential yeah. to do template. to do truly great mixes you can't just follow a template because yeah. every song and band and sound is unique but we had to ha get that template to learn and to to realize like oh this is the path we should be going down yeah but then we just repeat 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 keep doing it learn learn and then reapply learn reapply and then to where we are i don't know how many years i mean it's quite a long time ago now isn't it yeah i was thinking about just from that original tutorial video the other things we learned yeah so because i think what you have to remember is like you know i i went to uni and there's so much you can learn at uni but you know everyone always says like it's a lot of bullshit at a music on a music technology course at uni especially when i went it was very early days and then i started working and rich was my mentor to a point to the point where i got to his sort of ability and then rich, rich had gone and we're kind of on our own and not quite knowing where to go for advice and tips and to to get better and we found slate and it's like slate, yeah. slate is well, there's, our there's so many obviously with the boom of youtube and you know 15 years ago and stuff and just consistently over the last eight to ten years the amount of people putting tutorials putting advice tips tricks on mixing and it can be overwhelming and you, and, and you get very contrasting opinions some's like yeah. some people do this some people do that and we found the slate one was like oh this is the route we're going to go down we actually we trust him and we trust and i remember even you being like oh these these plugins are quality like these are yeah. really good plugins so and i we in a way we kind of picked our messiah yeah yeah and, and we it's not like, it's not to say there's there's other paths you can go you can go down buying all the vintage gear yeah so having the real 1176 and so on but we were like well that's not going to be we aren't going to be able to do that so but what slate has done is he's shown me that he can take a, a sort of tracking of a rock band the sort of bands we're recording recorded to a good quality but not like a ridiculous los angeles studio he even said the drums were recording in a lounge didn't he yeah and he's made it sound amazing and mm. that is what we want to do that's what we're trying to do so yeah, it, chose... it felt it felt achievable that's the yeah. thing it was like oh, okay well we've got the tools and it's not breaking the bank so don't see now like we we've that ceiling is kind of breaking up and we're like okay we think we can now take what we do with our mics with our hardware with our computer in the room we're doing now armed with the all access pass we can elevate and start to, to to go a lot further with the quality of, of our mixes. And that was quite, yeah, that was exciting. 
that that ceiling kind of, had to be broken broken kind of like a relief it's like oh we don't need yeah. to spend thousands on particular microphones we don't need to tear tear up essentially what we've already got we could now really just improve on what we've got yes for and financially not a lot of money but we now know the limitations aren't are, are, are a lot smaller and now it's up to us we've been given the tools essentially and been shown a path it's up to us to now use that and get better and, and put it into practice and i would say it's hard to quantify how much it improved our mixes in that moment but it, it felt 18%. like 18 percent an 18 percent bump <laughs> when are you going to get an 18 percent bump like that's just a one and that was an instant that was like yeah. that was really a sort of just applying that template onto stuff we'd already recorded it was like oh that yeah that is just better understand everything being yeah. clearer like mainly yeah. yeah sharper and clearer and yeah and fuller and just a lot less muddy well there are a few few more key things we learned from one thing he said is your studio needs to have a sub subwoofer yeah yeah and he said because if you don't most you know if you've got good speakers they get down to about 80 hertz but anything below that you're not hearing and how can you mix something you can't hear and as we now know it's like with 60... blind luck Stephen. with <laughs> blind luck six <laughs> yeah that's probably fine <laughs> 60 hertz is such a critical area for like kick drum or bass and we can't hear it so i was like right okay we've not got a sub but we had because we do, you know, function band stuff like that. We had some subwoofers on the roof. So I was like, fuck yeah. it. I'm just going to plug one in, sort of get it, put put Spotify on and put some music on and get it sounding. I was like, oh, yeah, Ben. <laughs> uh, yeah. I popped we need a sub. A sub. <laughs> and like, you literally a couple of days later, like a proper, the sub. Yeah, yeah, matched. I got a matching sub, yeah, for the, the K-Rocks, yeah. And we were like, oh, yeah. I cannot oh, yeah. believe we've been mixing for years without a subwoofer. And so many studios don't have subwoofers because there's, I guess there's a misconception that it's to just like, like subs are used in cars to just like over accentuate mm. the bass. No, it's not to over accentuate the bass. It's to bring clarity to a frequency range that your speakers can't get. Yeah. But when it gets out into the real world, into cars and stuff like that, that's going to get exposed. So that was a huge, that's just one little thing Slate said. And I'd never read that anywhere else, you know. And I'm sure it's out there, loads of places, but I just never stumbled across it. Yeah. Another one was, we were like, oh, on the on the drums, he's got a kick in and a kick out. We were like, oh, we've only been micing the out of the kick drum because that's all I've ever been told. And yeah. it's like... Of course, of course you can pop a mic in the kick drum <laughs> and a mic. And it's like, it's, it's an absolute staple of the way we work now. And we know why. It's like inside the kick drum, a microphone sounds quite clicky. You get a lot of the, the beta action, bit of top end. Outside is a bit more subby. And a blend of the two equals a love, lovely kick drum sound. But again, they'd never been taught that. Yeah, so we definitely found our sort of like, okay, this is... The, the sort of path we want to go down and we've i mean i primarily use all the all access pass plugins 
in yeah, tracking I mean, and mixing. It's... I'll, I'll get on. We can get on later because it ties in with something else. But like, I pretty much only use Slate. Not, not because it's like, oh, nothing else is good enough. Because there's a million. But he's developed it so much that it really does kind of cater for most things. Yeah. And actually, my mixes have got better since I've gone, yeah, I'm sticking within these parameters because I know these. Uh, Joey Sturgis, who, who's Joey Sturgis, Ben? He's one of the founders of Nail the Mix. He's a mixing engineer in his own right. But he, with a couple of other guys, found Nail the Mix, which is another sort of metal-based mixing school. They do lots of live mixes with with top. It's mainly in the metal sort of world. We've yeah, delved just... into it a bit, you know. So he's he's a top mixing engineer. But yeah. the reason I bring it up is I follow him on Instagram, and he just puts these really useful little posts up. And one was, you don't need a million plugins. You just need a handful of plugins that you know exceptionally well. Yeah. And you will get better mixes. Then millions of plugins that you don't really know what they do and how to use them, uh, and that's that's really helped me by sort of going all in, yeah, on on the slate stuff. Not when I say that, it's not that like I'm so closed mind that I wouldn't use a a different, but it's it's about necessity, isn't it? And and as as over the years, he's definitely expanded what you get in the All Access Pass to yeah, yeah, well, you know bring in lots of other. You know, I assume sometimes it's taking over a third party and then incorporating into the all access things like the Kilo Hearts bundle and the Overloud amp sims and, and various things. So, yeah, I think we should move on from the plugins. Do you want to should... talk about Trigger at all? Yeah, yeah. Do we quickly? Yeah. Because that is so. That one was a real important. key as well. So, drum triggering is when you just for anyone who doesn't know is when you use samples to reinforce real drums or replace or replace we mainly use for reinforcement and that can be the sample of the kit you've actually recorded or it can be external samples and you can use them to just bring consistency power punch so the idea is that tonality the, the kick drum that you've recorded yeah the waveform triggers whatever samples yeah the, the plugin reads that waveform and sees there's a transient come in so when it hits that transient it's going to trigger a sample of whatever you choose you know it could be a chicken squawk or whatever but it's usually a kick <laughs> <drum>. <laughs> um, we 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 were using drumagog we, we were using drumagog and it was fine but it was a bit it's just quite inconsistent. Yeah. And you'd, Maybe we miss... didn't we didn't it... fully know all the settings. We hadn't really Yeah. We were using it on quite a surface level, but it's like you'd pop it on and go, Oh yeah, that's that's But there were big issues from. when you'd you'd bounce it down and it would some yeah. of the, the triggering just w wouldn't be in sync and you'd have to go and manually move it or because you we didn't, didn't have really confidence wanna... in it yeah yeah and again we didn't really know with kick drum we were like oh yeah it's reinforcing it it's making it sound punchy didn't know what samples really we we're just using whatever samples came with dramagog or trying to make our own which which tried using it on snare 
we could see the benefits of using it on snare drum, but it was such a faff, wasn't it? To yeah, especially with dynamics and ghost notes and snare rolls. You know, when it's just a straight beat with the snare on two and four, Drummagog was working great. It was easy, but when you've got like a semi-quaver snare roll it could just sound like a machine gun and obviously that's not not what you want and like a lot of things we overused it and we got it wrong and then you sort of learn and you scale it back and and it was like well drum trigger we, we knew was, was really important we could definitely see the benefits of using it with what we were getting from drummagog it was just a bit of a yeah faff and a inconsistent plug-in for us so it was like we want to use it but it's annoying and so i looked and it was like oh slate Trigger Slate has a plugin called Trigger, and actually I think that's the first plugin he ever developed based on his drum samples from back in the day. That's what helped him develop Slate Digital, and it was that thing of like, I just had a feeling. I was like, I think this is going to be decent, you know. Um, so I I I bought it. I bought Trigger, and it comes with a lot of samples, and I bought you know the CLA extent expansion pack and. And straight away, I remember using it on a on a mix, and I was like, "Oh, this is brilliant! Yeah. This it just works." Just and works. the amount of control yeah. you've got with, you know, it's got like a you can load in multiple samples, and you've got like a, a sort of mixing desk within it to blend samples. How you can alter the, the dynamics and and just the the threshold of where it picks up the transients, you can blend it in with the original, and it was like, "Oh, and it just works! It picks yeah. up every." everything you want it's for me yeah. it was confidence in it yeah so i was like i can trigger this snare and i know it's going to trigger it accurately because yeah. for it to work it has to be bang in time otherwise you may as well go through and do it manually which takes days yeah um and the samples are great yeah so i mean the got... cla sample pack is ridiculous yeah and and actually so the, and that is a slate there was another slate tutorial video that we watched shortly yeah. after which was cla for those of you who don't know is probably the top rock chris mixing. lord algae just top top mixing you've definitely rock. heard his stuff <laughs> yeah green day yeah and it's him and slate just using slate products going for a mix and he's used trigger to trigger ambient room mics of snares mm. And that again, that's just that's a learning thing of like, oh, you're not just using samples to make it really punchy and metal. You're using you're triggering ambient snares to capture a snare drum in a different room. So although I've recorded these drums in a box a small boxy room, I can now make it sound like it was recorded yeah. in this studio in Los Angeles by using ambient. And that that was like Thank you. Thank you, Stephen <laughs> and Chris. My mixes have now got better. Yeah, and, and ambient yeah, ambient kicks as well. And that was the key as well. Like you can have it separate. You can have the ambient separate. And the ambient can be yeah. any ambient. You can depending on what you want, you can have a deep low boomy one or you can have a, a more shrill, shorter ambient. You're like, oh I can just have this ambient on a separate channel and then just and, uh, blend it in. I can mix it separately as opposed yes. to having it on the snare trigger yeah, yeah. and then you've got you've got no you can't mix and that it now is a real staple you know 
kick in, kick out, kick trigger, kick ambient. Snare top, snare bottom, snare trigger, snare ambient. And you can have multiple triggers. And I think another one was going, oh, especially when we had Drummagog, I don't think we really had many samples. So we were, you know, taking samples of the kits we were recording and then using them. And obviously it makes sense. Oh, that's the same snare drum in the same room. So that's where I'm going to... But because it's, it's a... I'm going to get the consistency yes. of the hit. And then watching Slate and CLA, is like, I don't give a shit what snare sample he uses. Yeah. He, essentially, the snare one. they go... What what do I imagine this snare to sound like in my mix? What is the actual snare drum missing? Yeah. Oh, it's missing some top end sparkle. Sweet. I find this um this sample that now brings some top end to my snare yeah. that I couldn't get from what was already what was recorded there. And you're like, oh, so I'm this is why I'm doing it. This is why And this is okay to do it. It's okay to do it. Like it's not you know weird to be using a sample of a completely yeah. different snare drum from recorded in a completely different country yeah you're like oh it's fine yeah because i'm just i want these characteristics and the key thing as well like all things is going is that is that going okay well don't just throw the triggers on yeah but go yeah what what do i want more of or what do i need less of you know and, uh, and that's reminded me of another amazing short little tutorial from slate about yeah. eq which is when people EQ, they just EQ, they just chuck stuff on because that's what they're meant to do or they're not really. And every time you EQ, to be honest, every time you do anything in mixing, you need to think, so specifically with EQ, what do I have too much of? So if you've got a snare drum, or let's talk about vocals. You've got a vocal and you're like, oh, these vocals are boxy. Cool. I've got too much boxy frequencies. Let's find that boxy frequency and then cut it to taste. And then the other question you ask yourself of is, what do I not have enough of? Yeah. I don't have enough top end sparkle. Cool. And that's it. And that clarity is so obvious, but it's that clarity yeah. of thought, isn't it? Yeah. And I think there's just a, you know, I've been guilty of it in the past, definitely, of, of going, I've got to do something. I can't just leave it as it is. Yeah, I've got to validate myself. I've, yeah, and I, I've got all these tools, so... I must need to use them and it is always trying to be reactionary and go in and just yeah asking that question and sometimes it's like I don't need I've got you know I've got an EQ ready maybe in my template it's fine I don't need to yeah I'm happy with it maybe later on down the line I might make an adjustment but I'm, I don't need to turn these dials for the sake of it or to do we the talk same about the, thing all the time talk about the tool bag don't we yeah. As you get better, you you have a tool bag and that tool bag gets bigger. You know, get more tools in your bag. And you don't just start getting a screwdriver out and just hacking at things <laughs> mindlessly. You get to a problem and you go, okay, I'll just grab my screwdriver and I'll fix that. Yeah. And what we, watching these initial Slate and CLA tutorials and getting the All Access Pass, just expanded our tool bag quite drastically. And then you've got to spend a couple of years learning what those tools do. A lifetime. <laughs> a lifetime. So then yeah. you can, then you can, when you do get to a problem, you know what tool you you need to go to, and you you know you, you can get to that tool quicker, and and things like that. And I think it's just a general thing now. And now it's like, okay, I've got a pretty good idea of what 
EQ or compressor or things because I've been using them for five, six years. I know the characteristics now of these plugins. So I know why I'm going to use this EQ over this EQ or, or those things. And that's just, you have to sort of train train yourself and, and really sort of get to know them. But yeah, so Trigger, the FGX Mastering and the All Access Pass gave us a real, just really helped us elevate our mixing and and put us on a path that we felt very comfortable following and, and at focal point and I think even resulted in Christmas I got you a I printed out a picture of Stephen Slate and framed it and gave it to yeah, you for Christmas uh, mate if I could just it's in here <laughs> somewhere I won't I won't get up because and we did sort of treat him like a a oh, saviour really like yeah. uh, we should say we are not being paid <laughs> no we're not we're not and everything slate we have here I've paid, I've bought we've paid for it you know this is just purely this is yeah this is the path we've gone down and and we've gone a lot further than the all access pass Hey guys, uh, Ben here. Thanks very much for listening to this episode of the Mix Forge podcast, uh, talking about all things Slate. Um, I'm going to apologise for the audio quality of my voice. Uh, being a sound engineer, I'm incredibly embarrassed. Something went wrong with my mic input and my audio was captured via the webcam. But these things happen, so sorry about that, but we'll move on. Uh, as normal, me and Neil rambled on about Slate stuff for quite a long time, so we've split this episode up into two. So thanks very much for listening, and part two will be out very soon. And don't forget to visit oldblacksmiths.com. Bye.